1: Welcome to the NASCAR Hall of Fame, a shrine to stock car racing history. And 2017 has been a big year for car owner Richard Childress. In January, R.C. was inducted into the hall, and soon his grandson, right there, Austin Dillon, will be racing in the playoffs, aiming to continue his family tradition.
2: Boss's favorite, me. Who is the boss's favorite? Better be me. I'm just better at everything and I'm fun and I'm cool.
3: Who's more of a cowboy, you or Austin?
2: Me. I was the original cowboy of the family. Maybe one day I'll be able to take over the whole cowboy thing. I think that brotherly competitiveness never goes away. You always want to beat the other one. I love sports, so uh, in general, I just love the competitive nature of sports. But racing, it's everything. They say Austin Dillon won the race. You better get to the right channel fast. NBC, put it on.
1: I want to welcome to the NASCAR America live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Marty Snyder, Jeff Burton, Dale Jarrett, and our special guest today, Austin Dillon. Going to be fun to hang out with you for the next hour or so. Thanks for having me. We'll, of course, get to the big news with Denny Hamlin and his race team come up in a minute, but want to hang out with you for a little bit and just chat about how the season's been so far. Big win. We just saw you celebrating there at, at Charlotte earlier this year, so you're in the playoffs going into the final race of the regular season. I'm assuming that's a good thing.
2: Oh, it's great. You get to go into Richmond relaxed and um, preparing for Chicago this coming weekend, and Darlington race was great for us. Yeah. You know, We've had a little up and down after Charlotte's uh, win, and when we went to Darlington and had this top-five finish, it meant a lot to our team, and I think it's good momentum at the right time.
4: Are there things that your team is doing looking at the playoffs specifically, certain tracks, especially trying to get through that first group of
2: races? Um, right now, we're, as a group, um, Newman ran good last weekend, and the testing leading up to this point, we both had Chicago test and a Darlington test now, and going through those tests, we just really tried to think outside the box in our setups, and mm. I feel like it's paid off when we just made our cars drive better. I think that was the biggest part, of just getting to where the driver could get back and, and really turn these cars and make them work again.
3: So so you think your result from Saturday, Saturday, Sunday night, rather, that was a result of those two tests? You learned something that can move you forward?
2: Well, I, I told, on I, um, Friday, I walked in the 31 hauler, and I told Luke Lambert and uh, Ryan, I said, hey, guys, thanks for testing hard because sometimes you go to these tests and you don't learn anything and it's hard because you get lost out there the track's not the same it's a little bit different here and there and those guys worked really hard to to come up with something that we could show up with fast and um, when we showed up come off the trailer and unloaded and had a good car it just made our weekend so much easier so um, if you can unload fast it just really allows you to tune on the car and have something for the race.
1: It's always good to wrap up the regular season with a nice run, and especially at Darlington, right, a place like that, to find up with a fourth-place finish, certainly good. We don't want to go too far into the show without talking about today's big news with Denny Hamlin and his race team. Both of Denny Hamlin's wins from Darlington were ruled today by NASCAR late this afternoon to be encumbered. They found a problem with the rear suspension in both 11 and the 18 car in the Xfinity Series, so the win from the Southern 500 for Denny Hamlin does not count towards The playoffs, crew chief Mike Wheeler was fined $50,000 and suspended for two races. And the team was assessed a loss of 25 owner points and 25 driver points for Denny Hamlin. There you see Dale Earnhardt Jr. also had two unsecured lug nuts on his car after the Darlington race. So Greg Ives will be out for one race. And also Joey Logano and his team, the second place finisher in the Xfinity Series race. Their uh, finish, I was going to say win, but their finish also in Cumbered at Darlington, they lose 25 points. Greg Irwin will be out for two races. So we'll talk, our, talk to our Nate Ryan now from NBCSports.com. And, Nate, I want to get your reaction to all this news first and kind of how the NASCAR community is reacting to that news.
5: Well, Marty, I, I checked with NASCAR today, and all of these rear suspension violations are unique, even though they all fall in the same category. Uh, They're all happening with different parts underneath the car, but NASCAR said that they're all just trying to achieve achieve the same objective. They're trying to get that movement in the rear end suspension. NASCAR has been telling teams for more than a year now that they're going to be cracking down on this, and this was just another extension of that. A lot of teams working in these areas, again, trying to achieve this rear end skew that, of course, gives you more speed when you're able to get the, the rear part of the car to move a little bit. I think what we're waiting on now is will Joe Gibbs Racing choose to appeal Denny Hamlin's cup suspension. I've gotten no indication from the team yet. I've checked with them, and they've said they're going to let us know, yay or nay, but we haven't heard yet. I know they haven't filed an appeal yet with NASCAR. If Joe Gibbs Racing appeals Denny Hamlin's suspension, there's a chance that um, the deferment of crew chief Mike Wheeler uh, would allow him to work at Richmond, but I've been told that Uh, the suspension almost certainly an appeal almost certainly would be heard before the playoff opener at chicagoland so if joe gibbs racing chooses to appeal this there's a chance wheeler could be at richmond but it seems as if the team would almost have to win the appeal if it appeals to have him back at chicagoland
1: well nate obviously joe gibbs racing has a load of talent on top of the pit box so then if they do not appeal and they have to have a substitute crew chief this weekend who might that be
5: you know, I, I think, obviously, I think, you know, Marty, you, you look at engineers and you, you look at, at car chiefs in this situation just like, you know, Dale Warner Jr., Hendrick Motorsports is elected to have car chief Travis Mack, as you mentioned, fill in for Greg Ives in the regular season finale um, this weekend. And I'm sure that Joe Gibbs Racing, if it elects to go in a different direction, would go with probably an engineer or a crew chief on Denny Hamlin's pit box for the next two races. And, of course, that would mean, of course, for the Chicagoland Speedway playoff opener where Denny Hamlin is the defending race winner.
2: All right,
1: Nate, appreciate you digging on that story today for us. And uh, you just saw the playoff standings there obviously changed up a bit now that Denny Hamlin has this penalty. Jeff, I'd like to get your reaction, first of all, to this. First, uh, encumbered win we've heard since uh, it happened to Joey Logano at Richmond. We've been talking about that since
3: May. Well, I think words that none of us know what they mean are probably words we shouldn't have in the sport, to be quite (laughs) honest with you. You know, listen, I I think it's time to start disqualifying people. I think it's time in, in, in today's world where, you know, Denny Hamlin won that race. And by him winning that race, that kept someone else from winning the race. No one got those five points moving into the playoffs. It's time to de- disqualify people. It's time to say, you know what, if you're illegal, here's the rules. Whether you like the rules or not, that's not the question. These are the rules that's written. You write the rules, and you're found to break the rules, and it's, it's not a mistake. It 100% happened. And even if it is a mistake, you have to be responsible for them. It's time to start taking wins away. It's, ta- it's time to give the points to the person that won the race. And it has nothing to do with a particular team. Any team that wins and did it illegal didn't win the race. Every short track around the country takes wins away. But I we can't do say, it here. So, so you're saying an old-school DQ and the guy in second is the winner of the race. Well, the, the argument has always been when the fans leave the racetrack, they deserve to know who won the race. Does anybody think that Denny Hamlin won the race? Now. That's yeah. that's my point. And so it's you took they took five points from a team that could have won that race. Kyle Bush had he had he passed tech, mm-hmm. he would have gotten five bonus points going to the playoffs. That helps him go to homestead. Them taking those five points away and nobody getting them, to me, that's not right. I think you should somebody should be the race winner and somebody should get the rewards for winning the race. That's my opinion.
4: DJ, your thoughts? Uh, we don't have enough time. Uh but <laughs> well, we got now. I'll be okay. So yes, we're in a different, different time uh in, in the sport. Uh so many things and uh, the but it's something that NASCAR has always dealt with, with, with the teams actually being so smart in that garage area. It's hard for them to keep up with everything that's going on. I agree 100% with Jeff there, even though we can't do that on this show again, Jeff, but I'm agreeing with you there. <laughs> uh, but that, that we're going to have to start disqualifying people. And the two of us... Understand that you can be disqualified. I'm speaking of Jeff Burton and myself because we had wins taken away in the Xfinity Series. Only two people that I know of hmm. that ever had that to happen since the series came about in 1982. We we had wins taken. Away. Mine was at Michigan. I forget where yours Mine was. Mine was at Pulaski. Yeah. So uh so it, it can be done, but the, the process is so uh difficult now in, in taking these cars back. It, it's not fair that on Wednesday we find out that that the winner of the race has cheated. Uh, you know has bent the rules. I I, I hate the word cheated, but everybody's trying everything that they can, and it's what you always do. But we're going to have to figure out some type of process that is a quick process after the race. Do the the winner interview on the racetrack, take the car immediately before it even goes to Victory Lane, and figure out a way that if it passes this inspection, then that's the winner of the race. But it has to be something done in five or ten minutes, then we can have our Victory Lane celebration. And then if they want to take the cars back and they find something that is wrong, then it's a huge financial... Uh, uh, penalty that they put. And I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to, to put a stop to this. Now, I know as a driver, you want every advantage you can. I always did, Jeff did, that's what you want them to work towards. But we also want this to be as equal as we possibly can because you think about it, well, if the first, if Denny Hamlin did it, there's a good chance
2: maybe the 18 was doing kind of the same thing. You might have worked your way all the way up to a win. Right. It, it changes the, the fight, I guess you could say, because I'm racing Kurt Busch a little bit differently there. At that point in the race, um, and I'm fourth, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm first or second if I can get to Kurt. It's just a different mindset. But um, like both of you guys have said, I we've, I've been short track racer growing up, dirt racing, and stayed in the tech shed till three o'clock in the morning one night, seeing if we passed tech. Um, it would be nice to, to figure out if we could c- confirm a win by that night of the race or after the race. Um, but sometimes you got to take them back and tear them down even further. Um, guys are there all weekend long and it's hard to, to kind of force them to stay longer, but you have one. So it's probably a little bit of an advantage to stay. Um, but, and also another point is, you know, giving it to the second place guy. I kind of like that personally. I mean, coming from that point at state, my first win in the NASCAR East series, I was given from Peyton sellers, failing a shot hmm. um, after a race. So I've been a part of it in a NASCAR race where it's been given us a win to for second place. So, um, it's part of it, and you know I hate it for Denny. He's a heck of a wheelman at these oh, short sure. tracks, and he's one at Darlington, the most uh, w- one of the most drivers to win at Darlington. So um, I hate it from him, but we're all pushing rules, and you know he failed, and NASCAR did a good job. So I, rec- I commend
3: NASCAR for doing their job and and following through with the penalty. So so immediate reaction from fans is going to be, well, these thousands of an inch rules, you shouldn't be making rules in thousands of an inch, right? That's the immediate reaction you hear from so many fans. But what everybody needs to understand is that. You have this much tolerance, and it's not a thousandths of an inch. You might fail this tolerance by a thousandth of an inch, but as a race team, if you have a tolerance of this and you use this much and then something goes wrong and now you're here, yeah, you failed this by a thousandth of an inch, but you had over here. You're yeah, using right. the yeah. entire tolerance. You're, Just you're, like speeding you're, on, on pit road. road. You get a yeah.
2: five-mile-an-hour tolerance, and we're going – Sixty point oh one. He only went
3: 0-1 over. But heck, they give you five
2: mile an hour yeah, before he went that. Five oh one over. Five point oh one.
3: In their effort to say, hey, we didn't do anything wrong. They they tell the fans we only fell by five No, you didn't. Like <laughs> you didn't fell by five thousandths. You right. fell by much more than that. And and what's so difficult for? Th- listen. I don't, NASCAR doesn't do everything right. The teams don't do everything right. they got to find a way to work together moving forward. Speak
2: for yourself. So that, NASCAR <laughs> does everything
3: right. <laughs> so that, so that, he's guy? still got skin in this game. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that, so that when the race is over, a few, you know, a few minutes after the race, you go through tech and you're good. But you also have remember the teams have asked NASCAR to step in in this situation. Right. Because... The, the millions of dollars, now, I'm not talking thousands. I'm talking the millions of dollars that have been spent trying to get the rear ends to move. The teams have said, look, you, you can, NASCAR, you can help us with this. But the only way NASCAR can help them with it is to take them back to R&D Center and tech them, take them apart. This right. is something that would have passed post-tech. It would have passed. It would have yep. gone through and been legal. But on the racetrack, it's not legal. So NASCAR has got to make a decision. Do we continue to police this, or do we just tell the teams, you know what, we don't care what the rear skew is. Yeah. We don't care. Go put whatever rear skew you want into it. For a few thousand dollars, they could build a rear end that had the skew in it Mm. that they wanted. They could move the eccentric on the rear end to get the rear end where they wanted for a few thousand dollars. But instead, they're spending millions of dollars to get by the NASCAR rules. Yeah. So- I, listen, NASCAR has to make rules, and they have to. If you're going to have a rule, you better police it. Because if you're not policing it, don't make it. DJ, if, if I'm a devil's advocate, I would say, why even push the rules
1: this close to the playoffs? You're two races before the playoffs. Now you're going to put the 11 team in a different light because officials are clearly going to be a little more, you know, a lot more scrutiny on the 11 card during the 10 race playoffs.
4: Well, what I would think uh, with my mind is that this team wants to know exactly how far they can go. What can they do to find out before? They don't want to put themselves in this position when they get to the playoffs, but they want to be right there on that edge uh, getting as close as they possibly can. So now they understand that, hey, this is an area we we can't go this far with what we're doing we have to back off from that. Obviously, it worked very well, but uh, can we make it work just as well by coming back inside those tolerances that that Jeff was speaking of? So uh, that I think you want to know everything you can right up until it's time to go to Chicago and, and understand that you're getting the very most out of it. The, the one thing that I want to ask Austin is, you know, in, in this sport in particular, whenever – you have other sports; it might not be exactly put on the individual there, but here this is attached to Denny Hamlin's name, to uh, to to Joey Logano's name. Uh, if it were your team, it would be Austin Dillon out there. That that you're the one that that's bearing the brunt of it. Is that fair in the way that that is put out there? That it looks like to the fans that see this, that hey, this is the driver that's cheating when all you're doing is driving.
2: Yeah, it's um. I guess that's a great point. I mean, for me, I'm proud of organization I drive for. I'm proud of the team I have. And they're pushing everything they can to get, get me to victory lane and we're driving together. They they believe in me. They believe in Denny for his example. Mm-hmm. And you got tough skin. That's why you're in this sport. I think he's going to handle it fine. I mean, it, it, it stinks a little bit, but you get through it. you got to get through it and he will. He's, I mean, it's not the first time this has happened to a lot of drivers and um, it's a part of our sport. I mean, people have been getting thrown out for years and years now. It's just this weekend we're talking about it because it's
3: relevant again. I, I think for me that what I hate is that we had a great weekend at yeah. Darlington. And both winners, the end of the Xfinity race oh, was outstanding. Incredible. Yeah, it was great. It, yeah. was, it wasn't good. It was great. Yeah. And then the drive from Denny Hamlin to come from unbelievable, 20-whatever you know, yeah. seconds back to mm-hmm. come and run him down and get that win – that was, you know, Steve Latart said it was an epic drive, and it yeah. was. Yeah. But it means nothing now. Mm-hmm. It, mean, it doesn't mean anything. And that's what, you know, it isn't about Joe Gibbs racing. It isn't about Joey Logano. It's about the fans. The fans went to Darlington, had a great experience, but did they really see the winner? And so, so you're either going to have to not police it or make the rules and the penalty part of this thing so big, so big, that you can't afford to get caught. Like an engine fine, You right? cannot yeah. afford to get caught. In this case, they don't want to pay that money, and they don't want to lose that point. But how bad does this hurt them going into the playoffs? They kept somebody from getting five points. Yeah. It really doesn't hurt them that bad. So, so if you're going to police it like this, I say up, those, up the penalties to a number and a thing that is, I don't want to say the death penalty, but you, you just can't afford to do it. You can't afford to get caught. These aren't mistakes. When I say they're not mistakes, it's not exactly accurate. These are pushing the limits so far that That when something bad goes wrong, you know why? Because there's a benefit in doing it. Sure. So that's why they're doing it. And
4: I don't even know that we can put a financial dollar on it. I mean, you could talk about, okay, it's a million-dollar fine. That's a huge, huge number. But is it worth that to the team to take that risk to do that? So I think that you have to go as far. You talk about something – if you're found to exceed those limits, and you are the winner of the race, then you you don't show up next week. Not only do you not get the points and, and the money for what you just did, but don't show up next week because
3: you can't race. The encumbered the encumbered finish was a huge penalty to Joy Logano. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? They are feeling that now, aren't they? They, they are yes. feeling that now. It was a huge penalty for Joy Logano. It's just not a huge penalty for a team that's already won. They already won. And yeah. that's the difference. Like, Joey Logano and his team, what would they do today? How many millions would they spend today yeah. to get that win? Right. I mean, right? And we're, and
2: we're always learning. You know, the encumbered finish is new, and it obviously killed Joy Logano. So now a second-time winner, they're probably going to go back at the end of this and say, all right, this is not fair to everybody that – hasn't won so they'll probably change it up again dj you were right we didn't have enough time
1: so (laughs) this took forever but it was great debate good stuff guys and and i'm loving diving into all this but a lot to think about certainly for us and nascar as well well coming up we'll get to spend the rest of the hour with austin Dillon. we'll dive into his racing roots and see why he and his brother ty got into the family business and in our driver's meeting we'll get austin's perspective on how nascar's young stars have shined in 2017 Plus, Austin will answer your questions from the fans. Tweet us your questions using the hashtag AskAustin. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. We, of course, all continue to follow Hurricane Irma as it nears the state of Florida. Of course, that's home to Homestead Miami Speedway. And mandatory evacuation for all the residents in the Florida Keys, which is just south of the Speedway, will begin at 7 p.m. tonight. Also, Atlanta Motor Speedway and Talladega Super Speedway announced they will open their camping facilities for free to evacuees seeking temporary refuge from the storm. And we showed it to you a moment ago, but here is the revised playoff standings after the Hamlin news today. Chase Elliott, Matt Kenseth, and Jamie McMurray hold the final three spots in the playoffs. Those three drivers can make it in on points, but for everybody else, only a win will get you in. Here, we'll walk down here. I'll show you the car. This is what Mike Dillon drove back in the day. And, uh, you know, his own son made the comment, hopefully Daniel races a little bit better oh, than Dad did. Yeah. But there's
3: the 21. And you remember hey, that, don't hey, you, Dave, hey, back hey, Marty, in the day? Yes, sir. Marty, yeah. if, if it's going to look like Mike, Mike Dillon was driving, you need to tear the right <laughs> side off of it. Like, you let's need sh- to, he needs to go ahead and hit the wall right now.
2: <laughs> hey, he was just being honest, right? So, hey. you know, I mean, and your brother said it, you know,
1: I hope he races
2: a lot better than my dad did. Dad always says uh his confidence level was up, grip was just low. You know, that was that was what his an excuse was. And, so. and covering your
1: dad back in the day, I can vouch for that statement. So uh, but I, I think I think Daniel did very, the family very proud. He, a nice yeah, he had, race a solid run. had a nice little solid run. Hey, we've been asking you for your questions. <laughs> On Twitter, use the hashtag AskAustin. We have the first one. What inspired your victory slide in the grass? Which I still think is next to Carl Edwards' backflip when he would do it. <laughs> I, I don't understand why you do that, man. You're going to miss one day and, I have and face before. plant. You know, that's not good. I did a good. scorpion
2: dry- dive the first time I tried it. I learned real quick you don't do it on the painted areas. The painted areas stick. Mm. So uh-huh. uh, Gotten a little better, and uh, that, was, that was fun, though. Like, it's just the excitement of a win, man. I, I want everybody to know how excited and all the work that we put in back at the shop, it goes, you want to celebrate it. And one of the persons that I've grown up around the most that loves Victory Lane and knows how to celebrate Victory Lane is my grandpa. Okay. So um, i just learned to always have a good time when you get the opportunity to. Was it inspired by your grandpa or was that a baseball thing? Was you, were you uh, sliding the I, home cause, plate? Because I've never seen Richard slide across <laughs> the No, he's right.
1: probably
3: not
2: going to slide across the ground. If we win homestead and win a championship, I bet I can get him to slide. Yeah. But, might, um, might work that out. I don't know where it came from. It was just uh, spontaneous, I guess. It was just there. And there's actually a really funny video. I'm going to go ahead and tell on myself. I, at Nashville, after I did it, okay. I, I went back to the car and um, I had the checkered flag. Well, I hit so hard, it kind of threw me off. I actually threw up in the car, and, took, <laughs> and there's there's in-car footage. Really, There's in-car footage. And I take the checker flag and cover the in-car camera. <laughs> we had <have to laughs> they, play, they played it on uh, our uh, Christmas party in front of everybody oh, okay. at RCR. Yeah. One year, it was uh, pretty exciting.
1: The old Christmas reel. It always gets you, doesn't it? <laughs> it hey, let's did. take a quick quiz with uh, between you and Ty. Um, who has more fantasy football championships between you and Ty? Me,
2: for sure. Really? I got his first last year, but overall I would go me. That Do you was a know very how many you have? Answer. That was a very was quick a answer. Very Probably quick have three. You know, but I'm playing like seven leagues this year. So. I was gonna say I was gonna three say four.
1: seven leagues. I'm in four. I thought I thought I was a loser this year, but seven, my yeah. goodness. And I Mike have time Evans for that.
2: Mike Evans is my pick on a lot of my teams and the Irma is ruining my first mm, yeah. week of fantasy uh, football. Yeah. You own a I lot of Mike Evans and Buccaneers. Well,
1: yeah. Obviously, there's bigger things with Irma, but yes, yes, that game obviously pushed back. So, uh, who's a better dresser?
2: I know what Ty told me, and when it's he, not you. How, how in the heck? <laughs> I got. I'm getting dressed by Stitch Clothing, so I'm going to go ahead and get a plug in here. Uh-huh, I don't see him with any nice. cool clothing apparel. <laughs> yeah.
1: He, he he says he wears T-shirts better than you do. I guess uh, he it's, can get T-shirts, which he right, says is uh, is true. Uh, who has the quicker temper, you or Ty? Ty, he's
2: uh-huh. always had that. He threw a phone at me one time, like one of the old house phones, through a window. Uh, I would never throw anything at him. I'm, I'm a nice brother.
1: He must have gotten that from your dad, because obviously Mike's temper. been in a
2: couple of fights
1: on pit road. Oh, Up <laughs> there, there, he is. There's Daddy Dylan. Come on.
2: There's my
3: mom in the background telling me, get out of here. Come There's on. Tina. <laughs> to be clear, that's one guy you don't want to fight. Yeah. yeah I can guarantee right. that. You do not want to choo fight the choo choo-choo train, man. No. 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 What?
2: I'd call him the choo-choo train. When he'd get mad, it looked like steam would come out of his ears. <laughs> <laughs> still What's scared worst, of him. the worst
1: trouble you got into as a kid from the choo-choo train? Oh, man.
2: I don't know. I'd, I'd have to think about it. I do remember it. <laughs> Him beating my brother's butt all the way down the hallway one night, and I even said, "Hey, Dad, stop!" And he's like, "If you don't, if you don't stop defending him, you're going to get it too." So like, all right, go ahead.
1: There you go. Obviously, the Dylan brothers had a lot of fun. Well, as a child, Austin did everything, including racing. But he also played baseball, soccer, and other sports. But eventually, he found his calling behind the wheel. We'll look back on Austin's racing roots when NASCAR America returns. Welcome back, Richard Childress Racing is well represented here at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. It was back in January, where Richard Childress himself received NASCAR's
2: highest honor. My brother and I are so proud and honored to introduce Pop Pop. There are countless family stories I could share of his true grit, persistence, determination, and love for others. One thing I want to get across is something I hear all the time at the track. A very familiar question is, when is R.C. going to slow down? His answer is always the same, no matter how he's feeling. I have more to accomplish. I'm tough, or we need to win.
1: So cool to see you guys induct your grandfather in the Hall of Fame. We're, of course, here in the Hall of Honor. We're in front of Richard's car. This is the Ricky Rudd car, the number three Piedmont Airlines car from back in the day, and obviously your family, Austin, has such an amazing history in the sport. When did you kind of become aware of that and, and really develop an appreciation for that history in the sport?
2: Well, pretty early on, I was at the track quite a bit watching this guy here. I remember uh, actually... <laughs> <Careful>. getting... <laughs> Don't go too far back there. No, no. I mean, I, I got to do some really cool things at a young age, going to the track, meeting um, just different people from all walks of life, because you never know who you're going to run to at the racetrack, so... Um, always a part of it and being in an the MRO crowd, running around the racetrack with all the other kids, it was, uh, it was a blast. You know, you grow up in that fast-paced atmosphere and you want to be a part of it for your whole life. And um, I mean, it's just a, it's a lifestyle that um, I hoped that one day I'd be in and
3: now I am. I'm running, being a part of it. It's great. So, so your grandfather, your grandmother, your, your parents, they're all really good people. And, and you are that they've instilled that in in you and your brother as well. And you mentioned your dad, you know, (laughs) so at an early age, it seems like to me, they held you guys to a certain standard. Is that right? yeah.
2: There was always, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And, um, you know, I thank my dad and my grandfather for that. You know, it's, it's kind of the part that we grew up in and, and I love the Southern charm of NASCAR, you know, that's what we've all been growing up around and family families first. And, um, my brother's starting his own family right now with being married to Haley and getting ready to have a kid, and I'm getting married in December. So yeah. it's a lot of exciting stuff going on in the Dillon households.
4: So we know that, that obviously racing was always right there in front of you, but you took uh, another path early on, uh, a lot on the baseball field, even going to the Little League World Series. So uh, did you always know that at some point in time or some way you were going to be a competitor of some sort?
2: Well, I think my grandfather and my dad, they all wanted us to try other things. So we got to play baseball, other sports, and um, I enjoyed it from right off. You know, I was a pretty decent baseball player. Didn't have the size or height to do any of that stuff, but uh, played pretty good. And I actually got to talk to the Little League World Series team that just went to the finals from North huh, Carolina. So cool. that was really cool. I was yeah. I was kind of... Um, impressed that I was the guy talking to him because Nolan Ryan was talking to the Texas team. I was like, man, you guys got gypped here. That's a big baseball drop (laughs) down. Yeah, Texas got Nolan Ryan and you guys got a race car driver. Ah. (laughs) But um, I I thought it was pretty cool. You know, that the time I got to spend in Williamsport with my team, I learned a lot about team sports. And that's one of the Hmm. things I always stress with my race team is we got to be for each other. We all got to work together to make this happen. We have to have each other's back. And I think that early time spending around baseball teams, football teams, any kind of sports team has taught me a lot to try to bring
3: to my race teams. So, so tell me about the first, the first time that you went to your grandfather and said, hey, I do want to race. <laughs> like, I, don't know, I don't want this baseball, but I want to race. I'm going to give
2: the credit to Ty on this one. He, um, we were sitting at home and um, watching the old Speed Channel, and uh, mm-hmm. the Bandoleros were going around the quarter mile at Charlotte. And um, I was like, man, that looks like a lot of fun. And we had kind of done a little bit of go-kart stuff, and he called my grandfather up. My grandfather was pretty excited about it, and he got us our first test right there behind the quarter mile in Charlotte.
3: And um, from that point on, it was kind of full speed ahead. So did your dad, did, did you guys talk to your dad first, and your dad had, had the wisdom to say, call your grandfather? Oh, yeah. He's smart enough to call Pop-Pop and see what he says. Pop-Pop can afford yeah. this.
2: I don't know that I can, yeah. but Pop-Pop can afford it. Uh, he said it was the most expensive phone call of his lifetime. <laughs> yes, and probably right. Good. Probably accurate. But yeah.
1: So Ty got the bug first. I love that footage of, because you can hear your grandfather back there kind of doing play-by-play as you guys are going around in go-karts. That is awesome footage.
2: Yeah, it was pretty cool. and. Um, in that old three car, I was racing one of the fabricators from RCR, and <laughs> I just kept running into him every time he got close to me. It was pretty funny.
1: <laughs> that's always fun, isn't it? Oh, so yeah. let's, let's fast forward now. So you have a,
4: a truck series championship, an Xfinity championship. Now you're, you're the face uh, of Richard Childress racing and, and the driver that's out there that, that has to help move this forward now. And so when you go in and changes need to be made, that we need to move forward. Hey, we need to do this. And you're sitting there looking at your father and your grandfather. Is, can it be tough to, to say
2: the things you need to say? It definitely can. Um, you know, it's family. You know, Every time you get around family, you gotta, it, it changes things. Um, but he is my boss, too. So when I get in there, I have to respect him and listen to his experience. But sometimes we get some heated arguments going on, and, hey, we need to move this direction, and we've got to move now. Um, and when things need to be going forward in a engine program or the cars, whatever we're missing, we're pushing together. And if it's people, we got to have the best people working on these cars. So we're always back and forth fighting, but it's good to go back home at some point. We we literally do talk about racing 24 seven, but every now and then we get in some family time and talk about hunting and fishing and that good stuff too. But we, uh, we fight together as one at RCR as a family, I feel like. So over do there.
4: you go tell Richard before you're going to go in about it, something like that, hey, I tried that latest wine, and that's really good, but here, we need to do this. Yeah. <laughs> is that kind of soft, soft yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Man, yeah.
2: that new, uh, you know, new wine you got over there at Childers Vineyards is good stuff, but hey, we need a new engine update like now. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't like to talk about engines. I was going to ask you, <laughs> do you
3: ever talk engines? like that's uh, it, it is, you know, he does from time to time, but he's gotten
2: to the point now, he's like, I know, engines, we got to do something with engines or something, it's, but... Uh, uh, no, ECR, I mean, they're known for their engines. They're a historical company. They've done a great job with engines, and we've just got to keep working forward. And you can see our progress as we've gone this year. Darlington was great, and we've got
3: to keep adding to that. So, so I, I got a legacy question for you. So 20 years from now, 25 years from now, what do you see your involvement, your brother's involvement at RCR? Have you, have you even looked that far ahead?
2: I do. You know, I dream that far ahead. You know, I mean, I I don't know if I'll ever make it to 50. It's like you're running so hard right now. You don't even think about um, what's to come. But, you know, I just want to keep RCR going. I want to keep all the families that we support over there um, happy and proud to be coming to work there um, because, you know, it is a family organization over there. I live right behind the shop and I go there every day. Pretty much. I'll be there having lunch, talking to the guys. And um, we've got a lot to, to build on right now. We've got some good young talent in the Xfinity Series with Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother's right there working with Jermaine, and, and that's a part of us at RCR. So we've got a lot of positive things going, and um, I don't know what it'll be. I, I'd like to be in this room one day, so I know i got a lot of work <laughs> ahead of me.
1: DJ brought up a great point. You have a Truck Series championship and Xfinity Series championship, and I think people people forget that because there are other detractors that say, oh, he's just there because he's the grandson. How do you react to those people and when they say that?
2: Well, I love it. I have two championships that no one can take away from me for the rest of my life. And I'm trying to get one more, and that I'll be the first one to get all three. So um, if we can do that, I'm pretty proud of my career and what I've been able to accomplish. So you're in a situation that Jeff and I are both familiar with, racing
4: against your brother. Jeff did a lot more than I did with my brother Glenn. But... Uh, On days whenever you're not going to win the race, is it paramount that you outrun Ty?
2: There's always a race within the race, that's for sure. Um, We're so competitive about everything, you know, whether it's fancy football, we play sports, we play actually in the hoop group with Denny and all the guys. I'm going there tonight for one of our playoff games, so (laughs) Ty got knocked out of the playoffs, if you want to know that. Ah. But um, there's always a race within the race when uh, it's going bad or good. So we've had a good uh, good run so far. Yeah,
1: I understand you're pretty good in the hoop group too. Not to give you a big head, but I
2: understand you got some game there, right? we a five foot nine, okay <laughs> guy. I'm pretty decent.
1: Speed's good. Jump shot's good. The, the, I hear the speed is. Good.
2: I can knock down a three. Every
1: once in a while. All right, these Thank two guys you. played as well, so you know, well, maybe we'll get a team together. Hey, right, we can do it. We play in the three-on-three tournament. Let's we can do Sound that. good? He's
3: All right, good. you're starting. I'm coming off. The bench. <laughs> we'll All make right. sure we stack the team.
1: Drivers' <laughs> meeting is coming up. These guys are going to discuss the future stars of NASCAR. We'll get into that with Austin Dillon coming up.
2: <laughs> Junior. Was
1: in case you missed it earlier, NASCAR announced late this afternoon that both of Denny Hamlin's wins from this past weekend at Darlington have been ruled encumbered. So the win of the Southern 500 does not count towards the playoffs for the 11 team. NASCAR found a rear-end suspension violation in the 11 car. Crew chief Mike Wheeler was fined $50,000 and suspended two races. The team was assessed a loss of 25 owner points and Denny 25 driver points. There you see also Dale Earnhardt Jr., Two lug nuts missing, or not tightened, I should say, at the end of the Darlington race. Greg Ives will be suspended for one race. And also Joey Logano, the second-place finisher in the Xfinity Series race on Saturday. His finish was encumbered as well. A loss of 25 owner points. And Greg Irwin, the crew chief, is also suspended for two races. Time for the driver's meeting. These guys are going to chat a little bit about the young guys coming up in NASCAR.
3: Jeff, I'll turn it over to you we're going to do the driver's meeting from the Hall of Honor today. And I'm, I, what I'm really interested about is in our sport right now, you and your brother, some of the younger guys coming up. But there's a lot of young guys coming up. How do you feel that young energy is, and how does the sport look 10 years from now?
2: I think it's a great time to become a NASCAR fan. There's a lot of young guys to, to, to latch on to. you got guys like Eric Jones, Kyle Larson, who's been killing it this year, um, Ricky Stenhouse, another group. There's a whole group of guys that we can really – Look forward to watching for a lot of years to come.
4: When, when you look at those drivers, but then you're trying to get the experience that, that you know to take you to that next level of being there uh, week in and week out, putting yourself inside the top ten and top five, so, is it some of the experienced drivers, Kevin Harvick and, and others, uh, that the, you may look at as to how they do things that might help you kind of jump to that next level?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so many good guys to look back at and see. I mean, I want to mirror myself up for, after Jimmy Johnson. I mean, yeah. he's won all these championships. He's done something right. Um, so there's great guys to look up to, and I think some of these guys have been talking to him. I've talked to Jimmy when I was running for Xfinity Championships, and he helped me up until the finals at Homestead. So it was great to, to have a guy like that in your back pocket. And um, So hopefully we can mold our stars after
3: these guys that have been legendary in our sports. I think one of the things that's interesting is watching how the young drivers prepare for races. Dale, when you and I were prepared for races, We'd find the big VHS tape and put it in, yeah. and we'd you know, go sit down and talk to your crew chief, and that was really it. But today you have so many tools that you can use getting ready to go to Richmond today, so Richmond tomorrow. So how do you get ready for, for this, this upcoming race? Well,
2: if you watch, all the young guys right now are posted on social media in simulators. We do a lot of simulator work, and that helps us get tuned up for the races. And the simulators are just getting better and better as future goes on. Um, we're working on our own at RCR right now, just something to have where we can do um, simulation whenever we want, when we get to the track. So, um, I'm I'm looking forward through the winter time to just keep working on different tracks with simulators. And, you know, like you said, I still watch the races and we talk about strategy. I know the strategies change a lot with segments now. So we do have to kind of stay in our game when it comes to strategy and segments and what calls are made throughout the race, because you can really mess up if you don't have the communication you need (laughs) with a crew chief when it comes down to these things.
4: Yeah, I think something else with the younger group is you see how physically fit all of you are, and you in particular, because some of your better races that I've and finishes, wins at the Coca-Cola 600, a great finish at the Southern 500. These are difficult races, so how much time do you put into uh, the physical side of it, of, of keeping yourself ready in that respect?
2: Well, I try and do as much as I can um, when we're at home, and I go to the shop, work out, and then also playing the basketball, trying to yeah. stay in shape. There's nothing like running up and down a court for an hour. Um, You know, just keeping that heart rate in the same similar type of atmosphere that you're in in a race car for so long because you're doing the same thing for a long period of time. And um, I think the race cars have actually made me stronger. Racing every weekend and and staying in the car is just a, a big part of it. Running double duty with Xfinity and Cup, it keeps you tuned in pretty good.
3: So speaking of that, what is your thought about, you know, your Xfinity involvement next year? You're limited in what you can do, but how do you view, you know, what is your plan next year? Are you even there yet or do you think it helps you? Um, I think Xfinity does help. And you know, When certain tracks that I struggle
2: at, I love to try and go run those races just to get better experience at them. Um, this weekend, I learned a couple of things in the race at Darlington I took to Sunday. So um, it kind of stinks that you don't get as many of the races. I think they've put a pretty decent number on them. I'd like to see them expanded a little bit um, because I had to race against those guys when I was running for a nationwide championship. Right. And um, I thought that was always – that always – verified me and let me know that I can race against these guys at the next level. If I'm running in the top five and I'm racing for wins with these guys, that means I I need to be in that next group of people. So um, I think it's a good number they're putting on it. It is going to be nice to see some fresh winners in that series, and it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Yeah, I know Marty
4: asked you the question earlier about overcoming being Richard Childress' grandson. That's why you have what you have. But I also know that you and your brother both worked on cars uh, growing up when you first uh, started out and building the cars. Do you miss that aspect that uh, not being able to really – because Jeff and I would change springs and, and shocks and things like that, even up until the, the latter part of our careers. Uh, do you miss that side of it of not being able to really be as hands-on
2: as you would like? Um, I'll tell you what, I was never really a good mechanic. Uh, I could, but um, I don't miss it too much. I love, <laughs> I love jumping in that race car and just telling them what's wrong with it. That's the truth. Uh-huh. Um, I do miss the dirt racing. I used to do a lot of dirt racing. I've been thinking a lot heavily about going back and running more of my dirt racing stuff. And, and that was always cool because I was a little more hands-on in there and talking with my crew chief Shane McDowell back then, getting underneath the race car and talking about shocks and springs and, and bar movements because those are some crazy race cars right there when you start talking about that suspension and how the bars work. and. Um, So I do miss that and going to the track and and, um,
3: having fun with all my guys at the dirt track. Well, thanks for joining the driver's meeting. We're not letting you you go. You're not done yet. But Got some fan questions, yeah. Yeah, we got some great fan questions, actually. Marty,
1: back to you. You can't let him go yet, Jeff. We got fan questions coming up and also some breaking news coming up on NASCAR America, an update on the Denny Hamlin situation and JGR's decision on the suspension of Mike Wheeler. That news coming up next on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile
3: 1 annual protection, proven protection for one full year.
1: This weekend on NBCSN, NASCAR races under the lights on back-to-back nights in Richmond. First up the Xfinity Series Friday night 7:30 Eastern, then Saturday, the final race of the regular season for the Monster Energy Cup Series Saturday night 7:30 Eastern on NBCSN. We promise you breaking news on the Denny Hamlin situation. Our Nate Ryan is reporting that the 11 team will not appeal the suspension of Mike Wheeler for two races. Joe Gibbs Racing will put Chris Gabehart, the Xfinity Series crew chief, in for the next two races with Denny Hamlin. Gabehart has four Xfinity Series wins in 2017. Earlier in the show, Austin Dillon answered some fan questions you sent using the hashtag AskAustin. We've got more, though, including why was he in the infield at 4 a.m. at Darlington. That answer next.
3: your brother when you guys do finally match up
2: yeah it's pretty fun uh so we matched up in the championship last year and obviously my team won I so, make the championship. Uh, so he was in that. the game and my team still won so uh, i'm looking forward to doing that again no we have a lot of fun of this and it's growing substantially each year It's a really fun deal for a great cause in Children's Institute for Pediatric Trauma.
3: So who do you think is the the biggest celebrity that you guys get to come out to this event? Rick. It's gotta be you, right? Physically probably you. Okay, that's all we can cut right there. I'm sorry, go
2: ahead. You know. When it comes to social media status, (laughs) we have some probably bigger, larger life guys here. So thanks for coming though, Rick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for putting Rick in his place is all I can say. But the buried in that how about
3: that behind-the-back dribble? That, that was, was impressive, sweet, my huh? man.
2: Little dish down there. I can assist. I can give up the rock pretty good.
3: That's something <laughs> that Rick can't do. Yeah, no. 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 He I played not, no basketball, skill. Rick. And the, the size means that you might be good at basketball, but does it guarantee you that you're good at basketball? Yeah. Rick's proof of that. Yeah, Denny Ham. I mean, yeah, Denny always is.
4: says that his shots. He he calls it a throw. He doesn't even call yeah. Rick's shot
2: a shot. Rick may be 6'6". Worse but... than the shot is hopefully he catches it, too. You know,
3: that's a, <laughs> that's a nice you dish, got, by but, the way, Austin. Nice but dime but right listen, there. But listen, in Rick's defense, you have to have those bench players that give moral support. And Rick's and a great moral He's a support fantastic. guy. And he See can later. run
2: up and down the court well. He's I mean, yeah. in good shape. He can
3: clog All up bad. the middle. All right, we asked for your Twitter
1: questions. Here we go. We'll kick it off with, uh, did you ask Dale Jr. for his thoughts before going to race the number three car?
2: I actually did, um, and we actually talked this weekend. It was pretty cool. He came to me and said, man, that car looks so good. And When yeah. he saw the, the American ethanol paint scheme, that blue and yellow, looked just like the old Wrangler car. And he said, man, it just the suit, everything, it looks really good. And it was nice to have him come up there. And it was right before he, uh, the Oak Ridge boys wanted a picture with him. So I was his camera <laughs> guy. He, Junior was like, hey, you got a phone? I was like, yeah, I took a picture for him. Um, with the Oak Ridge Boys, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, I have great
4: to memories. say that the other night that doing that part of the race that working with Ken Squire, and my dad, that seeing your car out there and Ryan, that I just had flashbacks of, of watching Dale uh, Sr. run. I mean, it's just unbelievable how it just brought back great memories, exactly what the weekend's for, but that was pretty cool. Exactly
1: right. That was a cool looking cool paint right scheme, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That was cool passing the Miller Genuine (laughs) (laughs) Dash bar. That was Earnhardt passing Rusty Wallace, by the way, in case you didn't know that. Yeah, did feel good, didn't it? All right, Alfredo wants to know, how nervous were you in the closing laps of the Coca-Cola 600?
2: I was so focused at that point um, because what we were trying to accomplish with the fuel mileage, I didn't even know what was going on. You know, When Jimmy ran out of fuel in front of me right there and we were catching him, I knew we had a shot when we were catching him right there in the last lap. We were kind of going for it. But when we ran out of fuel, I went right back into conservation mode with lifting early and stuff, and we came across the finish line. I was elated, but I thought there was another lap left. (laughs) So uh, it kind of took me a second to process it, and then I I went into celebration mode. But you never think it's over in one of these races, man. They're so hard to win. You just can't ever give up, and you got to stay in that mindset of uh, I didn't even get nervous because I was so focused.
1: (laughs) Joe Howard wants to know when the cowboy hat is making its return. Uh, I didn't know it was on hiatus.
2: Where's the cowboy hat? Been in my bus, I just I got to get it back on the head here a little bit. I know okay. I've been, you're showing you off know, the new dude, yeah, by new the fades. way. Turn to the side so everybody yeah, can I got see a good the fade. Little fade. It goes back very nice you know, fade. O'Hawk, so there's a Something cowboy different. hat.
0: We'll Obviously, have to get it back
2: out, I guess. Everybody wants to see it, everybody loves seeing that cowboy. hat. Obviously, all
1: right. Now, the one we all want to know why were you in the infield at Darlington at 4 a.m., <laughs> waking people yeah. up? Explain to us what happened from the end of the race till
2: about 6 a.m.? after Darlington? Well, we had a solid run, so I just hung out <laughs> outside in my motorhome for a little bit. You know, had a couple nice drinks and hanging out and had my driving suit on, and I just kept it on. You know, at the dirt races, after the race is over, you hang out in your di- driving suit. So we decided we were going to go check out the track, so a couple of us rode my golf cart around the track a couple times, and that was cool. And then, <laughs> heck, I wanted to go see what the fans were up to, so we rolled down through infield, uh, and I well, just walked in a couple motorhomes. One guy, he said, now, wait, wait, wait! These people are asleep, and you're walking into their motorhome. I mean, home, it was correct? four in the morning at this point. So <laughs> passed out may be a better word. Than yeah, they, went, they had, so, yeah. They had went ahead and had gone had night a night. <laughs> yeah. People were starting to leave. It was pretty funny. Right. They were leaving in their motorhomes. I was waving to them, signing autographs. The guy, <laughs> this lady had an Austin Dillon shirt on, leaving with her husband, taking their motorhome out at 4:30. I was like, man, you guys get up early to leave. I hadn't been to sleep yet. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So we walked in a motorhome though, and one guy said. I got a gun in my sleeping bag. I said, hey, man. I'm, a, I'm just I'm here not, to hang out with you. I'm not Kyle you. Bush. It's
3: okay. So, you said he turned on the flashlight. I go, wait, that's Austin Dillon. That was yeah. pretty cool. So for the fans that say that drivers don't get out and, and oh, mingle yeah. with them anymore, be careful because this one might come wake you up. Yeah. I'll he might you up, come and of the sleep. He might just show up at about 3 a.m. And your and first
4: you – when your phone rings as soon as we get finished with the show, it's going to be Ken Schrader. He's going to be so proud of you. <laughs> That's right. Schrader that taught
1: me everything I know. Exactly. I don't know how we top that, but that will wrap it up for to Keep the NASCAR America. Special thanks to the NASCAR Hall of Fame for their hospitality. And, of course, this guy, a much older Austin Dillon than in this video. We'll see you tomorrow at 5.